Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In an uncertain world, there is always music that can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. Today we speak to Cleveland Brownie, one of the godfathers of dancehall, about his new album with the Incrad, who reformed after some 30 odd years. We start the show with the genre-bending Candesa, with a track people that fuses drum and bass with just a hint of reggae. decided to recreate the in crowd um why simply cleaving oh um the in crowd left the scene mm-hmm. suddenly i would say rather suddenly uh, during the turmoil years of political violence and all that in jamaica late 70s 1980 elections and so some members um just threw their hands up and say oh we're moving to the states mm-hmm. and the band was left without our bassist a key element to the sound of the in-crowd and one of the saxophonists, Llewellyn Chan. Mm-hmm. They all became um, employed in the States 
very important persons, Llewellyn Chang becoming vice president for interactive services at Sony. And it seemed as if that was it for the band. You know, the thing that I always, when I think about the in crowd is, for me, it actually had quite a, a British sound, a British reggae sound. It was very much kind of kind of lover's rock. Uh, would, you, would you say that was the case? Or, you know, describe the actual sound of the band back then. Yeah, it was a combination of that. Um, we did um, pursue that sort of sound. And Phil Callender was the main writer. Mm-hmm. That uh, is what he liked. It's his persona coming out in music. He was the main writer in the group. So we could continue to write in that way, but um, those persons who had migrated from Jamaica were very key elements in capturing a certain field. The basis was Phil's brother. And, um, you know, Jamaica is sort of a melting pot of different influences. Phil and Tony, the basis, were born in Panama. And you know, they moved to Jamaica, and I think there was some amount of Latin flair to their music. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the chord progressions and all that. And then it fit in well in the, the Lovers Rock scene in the UK. But we felt that we left our audience without any form of explanation as to what happened. And we this as an opportunity to now do that. You know, and um, the album is going to be entitled Look At Me Now. With the technology available today, you know, we did not need to move the the guys who had um, moved to the States to Jamaica. We All were right. able to utilize modern technology to capture the recordings. So the, so the band members that moved to America still contributed to, to the album while still being in America? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and wow. that's what I really love with the technology available today. I mean, through a simple email, mm-hmm. you, know, you can transfer files and um, you know, actually record um, and produce those persons over the miles and then um, put everything together. And I... Myself as producer was amazed at the results mm-hmm. because you would never know that everything wasn't tracked together. You know, <laughs> there was one case where the bassist came to Jamaica for a few weeks and we got some live recording done, but some of the work actually was done um, over the miles through the internet. So before we kind of touch on, well, let's say delve into the new album and specifically uh, the track uh, Materialize, which we're going to listen to in a little while, um, just remind us of some of those big in-crowd songs uh, of the late 70s. Well, We Play Reggae, I think, was the one that first brought attention to the group. Then we had His Majesty's Coming, another popular one. Bakayard, a lot of people would know Bakayard as well. That um, was recorded when the group um, signed with Island Records in and, 1978. And how did you how did you guys feel signing for Island? Because at that time, uh, Bob Marley would have been there. You know, Island was the was the big uh, international reggae label. Was it a case of international stardom is beckoning? You know, how did you feel? Um, you know, when you'd pen that contract. Well, that was like a dream come true for us. And for most Jamaican acts at the time, a major label is what um, would have cemented their success, that opportunity to get marketed in a more um, vigorous way. Unfortunately, with the turn of um, events in Jamaica, as I mentioned earlier, 
the pol- political turmoil, you know, the group had to split up because these members insisted that they were leaving Jamaica. Mm. You know, it was a time when really a lot of um, guns were barking, as we would say. <laughs> and we feared for our lives. Why didn't you leave? And and obviously you not leaving Jamaica had a profound um, effect on the history of Jamaican music because you're synonymous with, with dancehall. But why didn't you leave? Well, I tell you, at the time I was still living in my parents' home and my father actually had sold the house with intention of us, of us leaving. Of course, life is worth more than gold. But then I and my brothers, who are all, all musicians, decided that looking at what happened when musicians and producers moved out of Jamaica, we didn't like that scenario that we saw. You know, it's like you lose a little of that sunshine in the music. Mm-hmm. It's synonymous with our culture. There's somehow a little difference in the feel, and it became not so much Jamaican. You know, so for us, Bakayad <laughs> was where it was really happening if you wanted to retain and capture that feel. So we made that sacrifice. And we told our dad, no, we don't want to leave. We're staying here for the music. And um, he had to, you know, he, he was always accommodative of uh, our views. I mean, even back in the days when we decided we wanted to be musicians, mm-hmm. most homes in Jamaica, they would say, you're mad. <laughs> Which musician? <laughs> I wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. Mm-hmm. But how many lawyers and doctors can we have? You know, <laughs> the music is also very important. So we um, stuck to, through it. And, um, you know, as my bassist in the studio one band, when I worked in the studio one band, he always said, every rope has an end. You know, <laughs> and that rope of violence did have an end. And, we um, managed to survive through it. And the history and the legacy of Jamaican music uh, is thankful that you, that you didn't leave. Um, right now, we need to kind of segue to Material Eyes. So this is one of the tracks from from your new album. Now, before we play it, um, you're singing on it, and I always thought you were a drummer. So tell us about that journey from singing to drumming to singing again, and, and then tell us about Material Eyes before we play it. Well, I, I recorded my first song, The Brownie Bunch, my brothers and I, in 1972. And I was the lead vocalist on that recording. But I, it was devastating for me when my, my voice broke. At age 13, you know, mm-hmm. the voice started changing. And I could not sing that lead part anymore. My brother Danny took over lead. Mm-hmm. But all those years, I really had wanted to sing again. But I moved on to learning trap drums. And um, having learned trap drums, I um, started recording sessions as a drummer and also joined bands as a drummer. And many of the bands I was in, I ended up doing backing vocals, not really upfront lead, because um, they had members that could step out front, like Phil Callender and so on, Errol Walker in the in crowd. And I remained on the back burner for it for many years. But now, full circle, I would say. I mean, I'm, I'm pro- the producer on this new In Crowd album. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for that opportunity. 
you know, with the in crowd, a band that before I became a member, I admired so much. And now doing lead with the in crowd is incredible for me. I think one of the big movements of music in the age of the internet and the download is the fact that um, albums have kind of been deconstructed now. Um, how important is it for you to actually have this as a track within an album? Mm. I, I look at the albums today because, in fact, it's a singles market. <laughs> you know, got compiled singles creating an album. Mm-hmm. You know, so we try to have every song have the appeal and the, the level of expertise that you would put into going at making a hit single. You know, and um, that's when you know you have a good album when every song can be seen as a single. And materialize is one of those. Life are free, like sunshine and rain. I'm sure we'll be there 
so hard to find The treasures within your mind Will true happiness come In your chasing after the wind You're looking for a pretty car Big houses Fancy clothes and jewelry In your mind You want to fly Hong Kong, Rome and Dubai Now you're aiming for the sky For people that kind of don't even know of your career, obviously um, you had your, you're famous for your collaboration with Steely, so Steely and Cleavy, and you helped define the sound of Jamaican music from the mid-80s onwards. Um, listening, to, listening to this track and, and obviously the in-crowd's output, it's a very traditional sounding um, reggae track is that a very kind of conscious move for you to go away from the dance hall things and maybe to go back to your roots yeah um the thing about it you know uh some of the songs that we have had that hit the u.s billboard charts and the charts in the uk were not dancehall they were reggae <laughs> so we never although we ventured into something new Mm-hmm. You know, we never ever um, strayed away from reggae. Steely himself you now was a member of the Roots Radix band as well. That was a very popular band playing a number of tracks for Greg Rizers, the Junja Laws catalog. With the in crowd um, coming out of the acoustic era, you know, I wanted to retain some of that element in the group, but incorporating alongside that modern recording um, styles and new sounds and things like that that never existed back in the day you know and um, I think we were successful at getting that done the right way you know but of, of course I will always be Cleavy you know and the Steel and Cleavy sound is a part of me mm-hmm. you know but the intro production was um, directed as a dance hall song a matter of fact on the intro album there's no dance hall song as such it's all reggae and uh, we have to produce in a way today that it appeals to not just my generation but the no generation mm-hmm. and the generation to come so we try to make timeless music just before we start to wrap things up um obviously in the 80s and the 90s etc uh, when you were at your pump, uh, stealing Cleavy with a house band of uh, of King Jammies. Um, how is the King? How's Jammy doing? Oh, he's doing well. He's good. <laughs> uh, still living like a king. <laughs> <laughs> what do you find, though? I should mention this: mm-hmm. that um, some of those producers who also had their hand in as um, sound system DJs and so full circle again I think that he has found his love uh, for that so he still plays occasionally with his sound system mm-hmm. um, Steely and Cleavy also had owned the Silverhawk sound system and um, before Steely passed away he had asked me to bring back the sound you know and uh, we are doing that you know we're getting back into the sound system thing which I think is sort of like the days when Cox not Duke Reed 
mm-hmm. had their sound systems. It was used as a conduit to communicate your new work to the, the masses and as a tester as well. You could know if the people didn't react well to it when you played it as a special before release. You know, you had to go back in the studio and do something that would connect with the masses. Mm-hmm. So Jamis is doing that as well, you know, and we'll be definitely bringing back the Silverhawk sound on the road. Well, that is good news for all. Um, when can we expect the album to be released? Second quarter of this year. We're just um, uh, mastering now. We're at that stage. Just, the album is complete. And um, we have chosen um, 14 tracks, you know, with an extra bonus. This is quite a bit on, on today's standards. So it will actually be 15 songs. There's a tribute song to our saxophonist who passed away a few years ago, Egbert Evans. Other saxophonist who lives in the United States, he did a tribute song to Eggy. Clevy, thank you for coming on to Friday 15. If somebody wants to um, follow your progress, can you just give us the, the name of your website? Oh, it's steelyandclevy.com. You know, and you can um, email us at steelyandclevy at gmail.com. Thank you, Mr. Brownie. I'll look forward with anticipation to the release of your album in, what, about three, four months' time? Yes, yes. All right, and I'm sure... Um, it should make up for those last years that um, our fans did not hear from the in crowd. Incredibly, though, um, we find that um, the now generation locking into that sound. My children are actually a good tester mm-hmm. and they're friends. And they find this sound amazing. They're, they have recognized a specific style, which is important that we don't sound like everybody else. And it's a real um, please that this one will be um, I, I know I smash it you heard it here first everybody Born in LA, Beck is a multi-instrumentalist. Wow was released in 2016 and is the second single from his upcoming album
Richard David James, aka 8Vex Twin, has been one of the most influential and idiosyncratic musicians since the 1990s. Here is Cal, Kurt is a twin. This week's Friday 15. Remember, please go on to iTunes and write us a little review because uh, we need to get up those iTunes charts. Uh, you can contact me by sending me an email where I'm quite simply royfield at gmail.com. Follow our page on Facebook. You can go there and just type in Friday 15 and you can see the progress of the show.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. (laughs) 